It's a new day and time for another NCA podcast. For one day each year, NCA partners with FACTS for the Many Gifts One Nation Day of Giving. In 2022, close to $1.2 million were donated to participating Catholic schools in this 24-hour period. Join me on a virtual tour to Wilmington, Delaware, as we visit the Diocese of Wilmington. I'm Laura MacDonald, and this is NCEA Podcast Giving Edition. The Diocese of Wilmington is the only diocese in Delaware. It has 30 diocesan, parish, and private Catholic schools, and serves 8,500 students in Delaware and the eastern shore of Maryland. One of the schools is St. Mary Magdalene School, Joining us today is their principal, Patrick Tiernan. Thank you, Patrick, for joining us on the NCA podcast. Thanks for having me, Laura. Appreciate it. Well, let's jump right in. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, born and raised Catholic education, um, grew up in, in California and came out to the East Coast for college and grad school and uh, always knew I wanted to be a teacher and educator and uh, eventually found my way into administration, but also found uh, part of my career in development and, and in fundraising. And what I've, I've come to believe and um, really invest my time into is recognizing that building mission and raising money are in some ways two sides of the same coin. And so for me, uh, the, the fundraising that goes on in a lot of our schools and how our Catholic schools think about long-term um, solvency, and, and we look at a lot of uh, challenges facing our schools right now, I think they really go hand in hand. And I think it's important to talk about and, and have some of those tough conversations about what it means to be, um, be fundraisers, uh, be philanthropists in 21st century in Catholic schools. Well, perfect. I think we'll talk about that today. Great. So tell us about St. Mary Magdalene. Absolutely. So uh, St. Mary Magdalene School, or SMM, we're a diocesan school in, in North Wilmington, and we have a little over 500 students and um, been around since the early 60s and have always had a really rich uh, contribution and impact in, in the local community. We do a lot of work with the Ministry of Caring, which is kind of our local charity uh, supporter and uh, do a lot of outreach with them. But uh, in the most recent uh, few years, last five years in particular, we were working with the Healy Foundation, which works uh, closely with a lot of Catholic schools and um, began to have a board of limited jurisdiction, really had an advancement director. And then I came on board about four years ago. And really for us, we wanted to be intentional about what our future looked like and to really kind of plan ahead in, in, in that sense. So for SMM, we wanted to have a strategic plan that was very holistic, very realistic, very attainable. And part of that was uh, building, uh, building our base of donors and having a robust annual fund. Well, this explains why your school was one of the top earners for Day of Giving in the country. And, um, and it, it also explains why in the last four years, your school tripled your annual fund dollars. So we're excited to connect and I'm excited to share your information with our NCA podcast community. Um, let's talk about Day of Giving. Um, sure. Usually annual fund campaigns fall under operational vitality. And it's already very clear in talking to you that you would consider it more of a mission and Catholic identity. Tell us right. more. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's important that when we talk about fundraising that we're recognizing that we're building mission, right? And I think that's part of our conversation and talking points with donors that you are, because of you, we are able to do this or do that or accomplish that. And it allows donors to see themselves in the narrative of your school. Uh, people want to be part of something larger than themselves. And what, what better place to orient ourselves than Catholic education and for people to invest in something where they see the return on investment, the literal and figurative and theological and philosophical return on investment in knowing that you're giving the gift of a Catholic education to a child or the fact that you're allowing for the sustainability of your alma mater. You know, we have a lot of second and third generation families here and people want to see that continue for, for, for obvious reasons. So I, I think sometimes it's a, it's a language game. We think about operational budget and, um, and, and fundraising, but when you really think about it, it is that means to an end, right? It's, it's simply, it's great to talk about amounts. It's great to talk about records, but at the end of the day, you are investing in the lives of our schools and our families and our and our students, right? And you're building the leaders for tomorrow. And I I, I think that's important for people to say and hear because otherwise we're we're just talking about raising money as if it's it's sitting somewhere. And um, we are nonprofits, right, for a reason. And the point of that is to reinvest in our community, reinvest in our teachers, and and reinvest most importantly in our students. So it is very much part and parcel of, of who we are as Catholics, right? To to teach the whole person, to educate the whole person, and to have that care for the, the, the institution itself. So I think it is something very different than just operational vitality. I think it really speaks to everyone's core values and mission. And, and I really like what you just said, because most of us who come from the educational background and go into administration, this is an area financial planning, um, fundraising. This is an area outside a lot of our comfort levels. And knowing that it's Catholic and mission identity and just the perspective you have on it, I think would help a lot of our leaders out there leading Catholic schools to feel a little bit more confident in looking at things that way. So I really appreciate you sharing that perspective. Um, As you know, most of the time and energy we put into our annual fundraising happens pre and post our fundraisers. Um, In true educator fashion, you shared that you use background design mapping to plan your annual fund. Could you kind of outline, just give us the basic steps you go through at St. Mary Magdalene? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just like, so in backward design, when you think of, you know, any curriculum development, you begin with the end in mind, right? By the end of this year, students will be able to do this or or know that, when, whatever the skills and content may be. And I think a very similar model, similar paradigm can be applied to fundraising where, you know, by the end of this fiscal year, uh, you know, yes, we will have raised X amount, but it will have gone to, you know, financial aid, capital improvements, professional development for faculty, whatever that might look like. So to have those uh, key perf- those KPIs, those key performance indicators are important because it allows you to constantly remind yourself why the why, right? The why of why am I doing this? Why are we raising money? And I think for a lot of schools, we think we're 
raising a lot of money, but we're spending a lot of money on the product or, you know, mm-hmm. we, we all remember those, you know, chocolate bar sales or <laughs> selling things around the holidays or things like that. And, and those are great and they're and they're fun. But at the end of the day, we really want to think about the, our rationale and our and our and again, our why behind something like that. And so working backwards, you think about what are the uh, the means and the skills with which you're going to attain that goal. Right. Like like lesson in terms of lesson planning. So you think about how are you communicating with donors? Right. How are you segmenting your data, which is which is another conversation to think about? How are you reaching out to specific people in your community, just like your classroom? Not every student is the same. Not every donor is the same, right? Some people will uh, gladly give year in, year out. Some people are maybe former parents or grandparents. Some people might be current parents. A a myriad of needs and different things that you have to attend to. And so those communications with donors have to to reflect that. And, And again, continuing to work backwards, what, what is the schedule and what is the cadence for the year that you are not just asking, but also reporting and sharing the good news with, with your donors, right? That, that really is another form of evangelization. Here's the good news of what you're doing. And I want to report that to you. And so sometimes there's different kind of Venn diagrams or paradigms where the ask within your, your overall year of fundraising is, is really small. You might do it a, a few times throughout the year, but the larger looming part of fundraising is really the engagement, right? The conversation with donors, the stewardship. Um, hey, we're having a school play this week. We'd love to see you there. Uh, because at the end of the day, it is about relationship building. And, and so once more, just like in the classroom, those relationships are everything when it comes to fundraising and it comes to building uh, the rapport with your donors, the relationships are, are just as important. And, and so that communication and, and, and how we're reporting back to donors and how we're sharing those good news is, 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 is vital. It's vital. So building a strong campaign is also pretty vital. Um, Could you tell us about your campaign? Absolutely. So we usually throughout the year, um, if you think of the campaign for a fiscal year, um, you know, we look to have different um, periods of giving and asking. Uh, a lot of times, uh, sometimes people will think giving at the end of the year, or end of the calendar year for tax benefits and end of the fiscal year. Well, here's kind of a insight is that donors don't care about your schedule, right? Donors want to give when they want to give and they want to give to causes that are important to them. And so for our campaign, we recognize, again, that there's kind of an ebb and flow to the school year, a welcome back communication uh, maybe, uh, especially during COVID, we had an ask because we wanted to invest more into our technology. We wanted to make sure that our faculty and our students had what they needed to do online learning. And so there was there was a, a very demonstrable need there to start the school year. Um, but our campaign throughout the year also recognizes that there might be different uh, events that come. For example, we have a, a very popular, very successful Grandparents' Day that happens in the fall or in the spring. And we take that time to really build up our community and invite grandparents to come in to read to their uh, their grandchild's class or just to participate in, in some other activity with the class. Um, and so we're, we're constantly bridging events 
and again, the reporting back to to donors or to prospects and you know, prospective donors, uh, all the while, you know, again, interlaced with maybe an ask um, throughout the, the year. As you mentioned, a lot of administrators may, are, may not be comfortable with asking. They sure may not be comfortable asking several times. And I think it's important for people to know that there is a lot of great data behind the fact that you can ask, believe it or not, upwards of 20 or 30 times a year. And it will not be necessarily turning off donors, right? Uh, believe it or not, we all know we need constant reminders for a lot of things, especially Absolutely. when it comes to asking for money. And so there, there's a lot of data to support the fact that we're actually not asking enough, believe it or not. And, and, and that's, that's, even, that's even more difficult maybe for us to mm -hmm. think about. Not only do we maybe struggle with doing that first ask, but we're not doing it enough frequently enough, but we have to do it the right way, right? right. There's the what, there's the how, and how we do it is is just as important. And we'll talk about that. So how do you determine your campaign goals? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think usually it's, it's for us, it's looking at our, you know, our operational budget and looking at, you know, what we need to keep tuition uh, reasonable for our families, uh, what, what our needs, is, what our needs are for financial aid. And, and then to look at, again, we, you know, with our strategic plan, what are, how are we going to put that vision into place and, and in an emotion? And so it, whether it's having, you know, we just, we just had a, a new uh, tuition remission policy for faculty. And part of that was uh, our investment with the annual fund. We wanted nice. to be able to subsidize part of teachers' education, right? Part of, that's another conversation about teacher retention that we're all too uh, familiar with. And so part of it was trying to, you know, we try to project out based on interest and need, you know, we're predicting X amount of money should go to that fund or to maintain and invest in our technology or our programs for classrooms. We need, you know, X amount of money for that. And so all of that informs our, you know, overall our, our, our goal for the year. And then I think like, like anything, we always try to do uh, have a, an upgrade, right? Have an upgrade. In other words, it might be say a 10% increase this year. So if we want to raise $125,000, you know, we're going to raise that by another 12,500 for next year. Um, so that's usually how we, we try to, to gauge things. And we also want to be, again, mindful of how we are, again, reporting that back to our, our donors to, to show that this is where your money went. I think all of us maybe have experiences with charities where um, there's not a lot of reporting or you don't mm -hmm. know where your your money went, and I for me I find it incredibly important and and, and humbling to be able to, to report that back to to our donors and, and to explain that. So that's that's usually how we go through kind of establishing a goal. But we also you also like any goal planning, you want it to be attainable, right? It doesn't right. Um, again just like looking at curriculum or any kind of feedback or survey. You don't want to just say we want to do more or add more. I want to get better grades. You want to really kind of quantify that and and specificity is your friend, right? We want to specifically raise money for this issue or that and be able to attain that in a way that's that's reasonable given given your history of of giving and everyone obviously knows our community best so i think you want to be mindful of um what yes. your community is used to and um and recognize that you uh just again just like with with teaching you don't want to go too far above where the student is you don't want to go below them either right you want to find that 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 goldilocks medium with right where they need to be to you know to get them to your goal and to help them you know guide your institution as you know, match gifts are important. They can increase the revenue. They can strengthen relationships. They can even energize the community. 
how do you elicit match gifts? I know you, I know you use them um, for your campaign. And how do you open up this conversation with your donors? Yeah, no, two, two important and related questions. I think match gifts, uh, a lot of times it is, again, it's being willing to, let me step back. It's the relationship piece, right? You have to know your community. And so I think sometimes people think it's just a cold call, uh, an email or something like that. It's not. It's relationship building. It's asking people what their passions are, what they're interested in. And I think when you build those relationships, you you you, you know when it's the right time to, to have that conversation to say, hey, you know, we are looking at, and again, specificity, we're looking to raise money for this cause or um, this capital improvement at school. Would you be willing to make a, a match gift of, of, you know, a certain amount of money. Um, and that can come from individuals and that can certainly come from groups too. You know, we, we have a very um, involved board and we've had a match gift with our board members. So a kind of a collective match of, of a certain amount of money. And, and to your point, the, 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 the key is really what it does for the community. It really has people um, gets people excited about it because it is it's a, it's emotional, right? It's it's mm-hmm. I always say it's not rational to give away your money, right? <laughs> it's not rational to make a donation. It's it's emotional. It's it's sensitive. It's personal, and that's not manipulative. I think a lot of times people think that it's it's a manipulation game. It's not. It's it's speaking to people's hearts and minds. Goes back to that that the the, the Catholic mission piece. This is personal for people, and when you can speak to someone's passion and their interest and, and in terms of a match gift, it's, it's, it's all the more vital because you're, you're, you're speaking to them in, in, in a language and you're, you're meeting them where they're at on the donor journey. I would say that how, how it's important or how it's set up is that you can, you know, you, some people want to remain anonymous, which, which has been our case in, 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 in some situations. And nevertheless, it's, it's something where people feel energized about it. You know, if we get to this amount, we have a, an, an unlocked gift of, of say $25,000. And so people, and I've had people literally text me and call me saying, I'm going to make another gift just to get to that, that threshold, right. Just to get over the How edge. Close are we? So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. And it, so, so it is, um, you know, I think that's the community piece, right? You really kind of get people involved and you recognize that everyone can do something in some small way, but it's also important to recognize there's, there's a, a principle that many people are familiar with called the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle, and uh, fundraisers love to kind of adapt that to fundraising, right? That, you know, 80% of your efforts are going to come from 20% of your base or your population. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's it's sometimes it's even like 90-10 or 95-5. Yeah. And so it's important for people to realize that sometimes it is a few individuals that are are contributing most to your fund. And that's okay. Um, but all the more reason to steward them, have conversations with them, meeting them where they're at, inviting them to events. That that's part of that relationship building that's that's important. But nevertheless, you allow everyone in the community to participate, whether it's a dollar or a hundred dollars, whatever it is. And certainly you can invite in-kind gifts as well. Participation, 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 participation. Yes. <laughs> so now let's pause for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, Pat- Patrick and I will discuss gratitude. Today's podcast is sponsored by Catholic Faith Technologies, a corporate partner of NCEA. 
An essential principle of catechesis is localization, that people are formed in and by the communities in which they live and work. At Catholic Faith Technologies, we believe that principal superintendents and diocesan leaders have an essential role in the formation and accompaniment of their people, and it is our mission to support their work with world-class learning technology. Learn more about making formation local at www.catholicfaithtech.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Patrick Tiernan, principal at St. Mary Magdalene School. If you're just joining us, we're discussing NCEA and FACT's annual day of giving, and we're about to talk about the gratitude report that you publish each year. Um, I saw them on your website. You even have them archived, which I really liked because I could see other years' reports, which helped me see that there's some longevity, you have consistency, and it allows people to see what efforts were made in the past. So I think it maybe helps other donors feel confident in, in donating to your school. Share with our listeners a little more about this gratitude report. Sure, sure. So everyone's familiar with annual reports, right, from alma maters to maybe many of our schools. Uh, gratitude report, uh, again, and there's there's nothing um, necessarily that I would say that we have created um, you know, on our own with that. There are a lot of great copywriters uh, that have have done a lot of great work mm -hmm. with fundraising. Uh, Tom O'Hearn, John Lepp are some of the great writers out there um, about how we report these things. And, and the, the, the philosophy behind it is that you're not just giving data. Um, you're not just giving pie charts. That's important for sure. But you're telling the story, you're telling that narrative, and you're inviting the donor to share in their their impact, how they why they feel it's important to give. And you're giving what's called social proof, right, in, in a lot of these documents. In other words, I see myself in that donor, right, whether it's mm -hmm. a um, whether it's a, a young uh, family, or if it's a grandparent, or if it's a you know, a, a young graduate of your school making a gift. I can do that. I see myself in you, right, in this story, and I can do that. And social proof is is there's a lot of um, evidence that it's it's it works and it's it's very important. So for us, we wanted to really tell that story. We certainly wanted to give numbers and report back. Again, because of you, we've been able to, you know, for example, we've been able to install new playground equipment or have some of the refacing of our, of our building redone or in impacts or increase rather our uh, bandwidth at school for technology. But more importantly, we wanted to share the story. We just and again, as as um, as good educators, we know that telling stories is, is what we do. And I'm a theology teacher by training. So stories are, you know, my bread and butter. And uh, fundraisers talk a lot about stories. And so for me, the, again, the fundraising, the education worlds have more in, in, in common than, than we think. And this is storytelling for fundraisers. The Gratitude Report tells that story and invites others to walk with you in that story. So we've had, uh, again, grandparents share the impact of their gift on their grandchild. We've had donor recipients share their story about the fact that because of you, Right. My granddaughter can still attend a Catholic education. And uh, we have a couple of families here who, because of the generosity of our donors, they're able to enjoy a quality premier Catholic education because of the generosity of donors. Right. So there's there's 
it's 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 a I always say it's a spiritual investment that you will you will never regret. Right. And again, as the product of Catholic education, I know that and I believe that. And I, I think people respond to that passion. They respond to that interest from others. So for us, the report was a way of kind of sharing that story, certainly giving numbers and, and giving some of those metrics. But it's also, again, sharing that that kind of mutual accountability to say that these are the stories we want to share. And and we've had a lot of great uh, a lot of great responses to that and a lot of a lot of great interest to um, to our use of the gratitude report to kind of expand that uh, less is less is more. And so for us, just having one story, I think, would be enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we certainly want to, again, always be doing more, reporting more and and thanking more. That's that's something we uh, I don't think anyone ever gets tired of 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 hearing thank you. Right. Um, right. Uh, and I, I think sometimes it's, it's, it's important that we recognize that sometimes those simple things, those um, sometimes those cheesy things or those corny things, they really do work. Um, we might think it's corny to say thank you or I appreciate you, but I've never had anyone tell me stop thanking me. I've never had anyone say, Patrick, I don't appreciate your appreciation, right? right. Um, and it is genuine. It is genuine. And that's, and people see that and they know that. And uh, when people believe in your mission, they will, they will come back and, and they will do everything they can to make sure that, that you're meeting every goal you have in mind. Um, you talked about the importance of transparency. Um, what are other ways that you report results um, in addition to that gratitude report that you have? Yeah, no, it's a great, a lot of it times is, you know, we've done a thankathon where we've just called donors to say thank you not an ask, right? The kind of the cute buzzword is thask. You know, it's a thank you, but then you embed, you sneak an ask in then there's no ask, but it's just a, it's just a thank you, right? It's just a, a thank you so much for your support, you know, either in the fall or around this time of year and um, really appreciate, you know, all you've done, uh, you know, so sometimes it is a phone call. I think we've, you know, yes, email's easy and email you can send out, um, email blast and email communications and whatnot. But as we all know, it, it sometimes gets lost in translations. That that personal touch, obviously the phone call, certainly the face-to-face is is crucial with that. And sometimes, you know, the reporting is is just saying hi. The reporting is, uh, you know, hi, first name, you know, hi, first name, or their preferred name. I can't tell you how many times I've asked people, you know, what... Um, you know, what's your kind of preferred name or what do you, what do you go by? And next time I see them to call them by that, again, we, we all appreciate being called by name. And sometimes that's a form of reporting, if you will. Right. Um, sometimes it's just checking in with someone. I I've had great conversations with people about just their family situation, family life. And there's been, there's been weddings and, and birth of children. There's been funerals. Right. And sometimes it's just that ministry of presence. You're, you're reporting when you're doing that. Right. So you're you're kind of always being aware of your constituencies and, and yes, your donors. But it's it's again, there's a there's an authenticity there that you're you're genuinely and I am you're genuinely concerned about the well-being of the people that are being so generous to your to your institution. So I think there's I think we talk about reporting. There is certainly the formal reports and emails and communications that we have. But reporting is also the, the dialogue, the conversation, the presence, and uh, you're, you're, you're reporting it because you're showing it by the culture I think you're building at your school, right? Those are some of the, the kind of uh, subjective pieces to the reporting that we don't talk about or sometimes are hard to get our, our, our hands around because 
it is so relative maybe to our environments, but we, again, we're certainly, we certainly want to model that, right, as, as administrators, as leaders, mm-hmm. as, as professionals. And sometimes that's a form of reporting, right, as, as, as right, the, the famous lines from St. Francis, right, preach the gospel and when necessary use words, right? We, right. we you show it, you model it, people know that, I know, I know those are members of that school because of how they act. And I think that's, that's something that we can overlook sometimes. Um, in this reporting that you do, how important is sharing that data? I, I think it's, I think it's very important, right? You, you, you certainly, you know, I always like to think, you know, you, you, can you be all things to all people? Sometimes people say no, but I, I like to think, well, you can try though. Mm-hmm. You, you can try to be all things to all people. And I think sometimes when you think of say quantitative data or numbers or, or you know, pie charts or however you present your, your fiscal year data, people want, some people want to see that, right? Some people want to see their name listed. Right there, there's a power again in being named. There's a power in having seeing your name in terms of recon, recognition. Some people don't. Some people want to see those stories. So I think the more, just like with communications, um, the more diverse you can make your communications, the better. So that data is you're sharing that in terms of story, in terms of numbers, in terms of. All, all, all kinds of metrics. So I think you do want to speak to those different constituencies, just like with communication between texting, email, direct mail. You know, a lot of times people think like direct mail. Oh, direct mail is is so, you know, 20th century. It's it's not people. Uh, and once more, a lot of good data to show that that direct mail, your direct mail campaign, you're going to get, again, 80-20, you're going to get a bulk of your contribution sometimes from that outlet. So a lot of times people think, oh, we're not doing direct mail. No, multiple channels, email, mm-hmm. uh, all kind of social media, you know, texting, all those things. You, you do need to speak to your, your constituencies because you can, you can marginalize groups based on your communication strategies. And, and once more, that goes back to your overall goal, right? Your overall goal is not just the amount you want to raise. Your overall goal is your communication strategy. How will I reach this group? How will I reach that segment? Um, I didn't mention that earlier, but that's that's an important part of it is that, you know, how are you going to communicate and how are you going to differentiate the communication with your donor? So it's it's kind of it's kind of like a rabbit hole within a rabbit hole within a rabbit right, hole. Right. <laughs> but, but, it, but, it's, but it's but it's important to be mindful of and recognize that, you know, you, you're, you're refining it as you go along. So. Well, and a lot of time these days, um, we looked at snail mail, as many call it, and, and we're sending it to maybe our elderly um, sure. donors. But in this day and age, I would say most of us get less mail. And so sometimes the things we do get in the mail really stand out and have our attention. So that's, I think that's it speaks to everyone. exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And so the more you can make your mail stand out the better because you have talk about a talk about a uh you know uh, a captive audience right? right you go to the mailbox these days bill 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 great six by nine postcard from your child's school or your grandchild's school mm-hmm. you're you're gonna get eyes on it which you can't always say for email or other communications absolutely not anymore not anymore no no <laughs> so you are not shy about asking for donations, um, <laughs> as you might say, inviting people to participate. Um, right. Please share your mindset with our listeners. Um, I really like it, and I really feel like it'll help those who are hesitant to ask. Yeah, I, I think that there's there is a 
as as you know, in in Catholic education with administrators, the, you know, humility infuses everything we do. Right? We we ask we ask parents to trust entrust us with their child. Right? Uh, they there's there's so much trust embedded in that, and and as leaders, we are asked to also humbly reach out and and ask that you help us. Uh, builds our build our mission and to continue this great journey of Catholic education, because I think in many ways it's it's the best um, it's the best equation possible. Because when you make an ask, people either say yes, which is great, or they say maybe, which is just as good. Because it's you know they they maybe want to see more or you know how are you using these funds, or even if they say no. It might be at that time. In other words, hey, thank you so much. And you're still building those relationships. To me, it really is the ultimate win-win-win. Um, because even in rejection, I think there is something to, to there's something to, to prove, right? There's something to talk about. You all, all of us have a great story to tell in our schools. And so um, that invitation uh, is something that we have to um, continually go back to um, in, in the, the there is kind of a, a spirituality of invitation to that to come see our school come see our our classrooms come see what um, we are able to do because of uh, because of you right not even your gift because of you and and that mm-hmm. second person that language is important right um, you are the reason this is possible you are a champion of our mission. Um, there, there, there is a lot to say for that and, and that invitation. And so it's, it's something where I think we always, I would always recommend people who are, are not familiar with or comfortable even with fundraising to simply start small, um, truly start small and organically build up those relationships. Know your constituencies, know your demographics, um, you know, get to invest in that time to hear people and hear what people are saying, what those needs are. Because I think like all of us, I think one of the uh, one of the worst things we can do is speak for others and assume what others are are thinking. I think especially during COVID, I remember a lot of times people were telling me, Patrick, you cannot ask for people for money right now. And 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 while I, I understood that it was a tough time for a lot of our families. I also knew that you can't make that decision for people, right? There, there again, there's a dignity there. And I want someone to tell me, Patrick, I can't do that. I can't do what you're asking me to do. Because guess what happened? And you see this again across the board with charities. People gave in overwhelming amounts, right? Look at all the national data trends. People gave over and above what we thought, what we thought and we expected to happen because people want to mm-hmm. be part of something larger than themselves. And if we don't make that ask, we are really missing out on investing in the future of our schools. That is absolutely paramount. You know, we all I don't need to tell you about all the struggles that many of our schools in this country are going through. And I'm convinced that a lot of that has to do with that foresight and that looking ahead into the operational mentality of our schools and fundraising and development is is the is the key to that. We have to have forward thinking leaders in our schools to to plant those seeds and to really build that culture of philanthropy. And so that's the last part I would say is you got to be patient. There's a lot of patience here, right? It's it's a lot of slow moving parts, but at the end of the day, 
when when you are 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 speaking with your donors and, and listening to them and and building that culture of philanthropy, it will happen. Uh, it it will happen and it will develop on its own time. But there's got to be that patience. And uh, I think it's again, I just think it's absolutely paramount that we have these conversations. And um, as one philosopher said, you get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Become more comfortable with the uncomfortable, just like we would in any enterprise in life. And this is this is definitely one of them, fundraising. I feel like you feel comfortable asking more because you also stress the importance of thinking, 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 and reporting. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. I think there's something to be said for the fact that when we think of the ask, right, and we think of that piece, it really represents a small part of that that whole year, that whole strategy. If you if you if you think of it that way, um, when we are, you know, when you are reporting and you're talking with people and you're thanking them, that should occupy. If you if you want to put a number on it, I, that should occupy 75 percent of your annual schedule, right? Is that reporting and that thinking and that stewardship. The ask itself is really a small piece of it. It's an, obviously it's an important piece mm-hmm. of it, but the point is that when you, when you think of the, the donor's journey, by the time they see that ask, you've, you've walked with them that whole journey. And, and, and let's be frank, most people know that that is what you are are going towards. That's what this is all about, because at the end of the day, that gift is something that is allowing you to say thank you, to show that gratitude and to show the impact that you have. And so that cycle is something that people want to be a part of. Um, Don't you know, don't get me wrong. People don't want every communication to be asking for money and asking for money. Certainly that's not the case, but there is a cadence and there is a recognition that um, not all communications are created equal. I think sometimes the best communications are are just the ones to say, "How are you? How's everything going?" The phone call, um, the the like I said, the thankathon to just call donors and say thank you. I remember we had one time we had a, a donor make it was a twenty five dollar gift, and they were uh, we we profiled them in, in one of our reports, and they said, "I just made a gift for twenty five dollars, Patrick. Why are you highlighting me?" And I said. Get rid of the word just, right? I just did this. I just made that amount. It is truly just as important as, as any other amount. And, and I think, again, there's that, that mission, right? Our Catholic social teaching mm-hmm. principles of dignity and respect for individuals that recognizes that value. And, 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 and people obviously respond to that. It's, it's important to, to model that. So, so uh, once more, that, that, the ask, the reporting, uh, the, the sharing, um, and the communication, all of those, they, they, they have their place. But I would say it's certainly not just asking for 12 months. That, that's never successful. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, but when you are communicating with people and you are open and transparent, um, the, the, the sky's open. Thank you for that. So now some extra credit questions, my favorite. Okay. okay. <laughs> Easier questions. Um, what is something you hope your families remember about your school? I would hope that families see that community is a, a verb, right? Community is, we all have great communities and we all do great events and have great programs, but community is action, right? Community is putting our values into motion. It's, 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 it's showing that in a demonstrable way to those around you, why we are unique, right? A big question in Catholic schools, what makes you unique? What makes you different? 
And I, I would hope that families would would think about that with our, I hope our families recognize that, that we are always reflecting on our action, always looking to improve that, uh, improve those behaviors, improve those uh, attitudes, those habits, always making them better. I think that's the, the beauty of the Catholic language, right? There's always a, uh, a betterment, if you will, happening to improve ourselves. And um, and, I, and, I, and I hope people see that in, in our actions. I hope we're really modeling that, that it, it goes beyond the, the stationary, right? It goes beyond the mission statements. It's, 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 you point at something and say, that's, that's what an SMM student is, or, or that's what whatever your school name is. That's, mm-hmm. that's what that school produces in terms of families and students. I think that's important, right? Because that's, that's replicable, right? You can replicate that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, Thank yeah. you. Favorite yeah. childhood teacher? Oh, I've, that's that's actually an easy one. Um, Mr. John Vignal at uh, at St. Augustine High School, where I went to high school in San Diego. John was um, still is a, a good friend. John, uh, my religion teacher, and John said, "Hold on to your notes, Pat. You'll never know when you need them." And I laughed. And <laughs> years later, of majoring in theology and going to graduate school for theology, John was right, and uh, being a theology teacher. But John just was, um, and still is, uh, compassionate challenging, rigorous, just everything I wanted to be in a teacher. And he, he was, he was the one that made me want to be a teacher hands down. It's, that's just, it's just an easy, uh, an easy go-to. And I, I, I talk about him all the time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, John Vignal in my high school, uh, just a, a great, great experience. And, and I'm not alone in that feeling. So. Very nice. Uh, favorite scripture. Hmm. Favorite scripture. Definitely the prodigal son. Uh, the prodigal son's story for me is just a great message of hope, resilience, frustration, um, scriptural mm-hmm. frustration, challenge. It's probably one of the most authentic passages I can think of in scripture. Um, and I would say letter to the Hebrews, if I can cheat and add something else. Uh, you know, Hebrews <laughs> for me always was kind of that existential, who are you and, 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 um, what do you stand for? And, and I've had um, some really just profound experiences, if I will, like reading through Hebrews and having whenever Hebrews is read at, at mass, um, just it always kind of hits me to the core because it just speaks to me. So those are those are um, kind of my go to's, I would say. Thank you. Any shout outs today? Honestly, the, the big shout out, Laura, I would say is to to really all of the, the Catholic school administrators mm-hmm. out there, certainly our teachers and our families and our students, but um, Catholic school administrators are um, really helping to build that kingdom in, in ways that is often forgotten. And they are the, the they are the caretakers of the caretakers of those who are in most need of our care, our mm-hmm. students. Right. And I think sometimes it is. Uh, they are uh, presumed to always be there and they'll always be strong and, and, and stalwart uh, defenders of the faith. And they are. But I think sometimes uh, we, we forget about our administrators and it, it's, a, it's just an absolutely vital role to support our teachers. Right. That's that's what I want to do. I want to be supportive of our teachers, empowering them. And so it's it's a shout out to all the administrators out there who are, are, are truly doing God's work. So thank you. That is so true. And you're one of them. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you about Day of Giving, annual fundraising. Thank you, Laura. I really, I really appreciate the time. And um, again, appreciate the invitation. 
Don't miss this amazing fundraising opportunity this year and every year during Discover Catholic Schools Week each November. NCEA and FACS are here to help make Day of Giving a success. Thank you to our NCEA podcast community. No use in recreating the wheel. Resources for Day of Giving and Discover Catholic Schools Week will be available through ncea.org. Watch for updates in NCEA Weekly. But remember, the most valuable resources we have is each other. Thank you. 